I dedicate this teaching tonight to, to our Blessed Mother and to our beloved Jesus crucified and risen. And I ask our Blessed Mother, our Mother of Hope, to really set us on fire with her spouse, the Holy Spirit, so that we can truly become and be who God has called us to be, his heralds of hope. So I'm going to begin by speaking about what hope is. And the Catholic Dictionary says this concerning hope. It is the confident desire of obtaining a future good that is difficult to attain. It is therefore a desire which implies seeking and pursuing some future good that is not yet possessed, but wanted. Unlike fear that shrinks from a future evil. Hope is confident that what is desired will certainly be attained. It is the opposite of despair. Yet it recognizes that the object wanted is not easily obtained and that it requires effort to overcome whatever obstacles stand in the way. Now, as I pondered this definition of hope, it's important for us to understand that it is a theological virtue that is given to all of us, but our seeking and pursuing it is required. And it's really beautiful at the end of this definition when it says it requires our effort to overcome whatever obstacles stand in the way. Therefore, the path that the Lord has been guiding us in is a path to more perfect faith, and hope. The Lord takes us through all the interior things we have within us that are obstacles to union with God. Our wounds, our disordered tendencies, our own desires, our pride, our sins and their root system our self-will, all of this knowledge requires effort to overcome all those obstacles. Thomas Aquinas defines hope as a future good, difficult, but possible to attain by means of the divine assistance on whose help it leans, end of quote. 
hope is by its very nature always concerned with something in the future. Hope, the pursuit of God, heaven, and holiness, is what charges us on towards the perfection of temporal matters. Now, it's interesting when I was researching hope, because they talked about a virtue under the heading of hope, magnanimity. Magnanimity literally means great souled. And it refers to a striving towards that which is most great. A desire for the highest, most noble goals. It is the ultimate ambition, the ambition to become the absolute greatest thing you can be, a saint, and to achieve the greatest accomplishment possible, union with God. When I read that, I was so excited (laughs) because I said, that's us. That is every mother and missionary of the cross. We want to be saints. And what did God give us? The simple path to what? (laughs) Union with God. It is the ultimate goal. And very, very, very few people that is what's wrong in the world. Have this virtue. Many people say they want to be saints. But very few people are willing and have the courage to allow the Holy Spirit through the power of Jesus's death and resurrection to make us saints. Very few people are willing to put out out of their will, the effort to die to all our garbage, our self, our egos, to achieve this great goal that God died and resurrected to bring us. Hope gazes ahead to the good things which are in store for those who are faithful to God and his church. Hope looks forward to the life that hasn't really begun yet. Therefore, I want to focus on three messages the Lord gave our community where he called us to be his heralds of hope. The first one was in 2012, October 20th. It was the Feast of St. Paul of the Cross. The first part of this message says this. I have formed you, meaning love crucified, 
trained you, dressed you to be my prophets of light, to warn and awaken my people before the horrible day of judgment comes down upon you. There will be wailing, groaning, and grinding of teeth in your streets. The darkness of evil will cover you. Be prepared when these things happen that I speak to you about. Do not let the thief catch you unprepared. The first part of these words from the Lord, Jesus is being a prophet. He is warning us, his beloved children, of the darkness that must come. Jesus always did this. We read it in the Gospels. For example, in Mark 8, chapter 8, verse 31 through 33, Jesus too is warning his apostles and disciples of what is going to happen. He says to them, And he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. You see, the Lord is warning them. He's preparing them for a time of darkness, for his passion. But at the same time, he's preparing them for his resurrection. He tells them clearly. But in three days, I'm going to rise. Now, the Lord did not say that only one time. Only in the gospel of Mark, and there's three other gospels. In the next chapter, Mark 9, the Lord repeats it again. And then again, later on in Mark 9, the Lord repeats it again. And we don't say the Lord is a Lord of doom and gloom. He's the Lord of hope. But he's also telling them the reality of what must happen. My community. The Lord is doing the same thing with us. He is preparing us as he prepared his beloved apostles for what needs to come. But at the same time, he's giving us the hope of the resurrection. So we go to the second part of that message from 2012. The second part is all filled with faith. He says, believe you are my people. My little ones, 
held in the Father's palm. Believe that I am one with you, the light in the world, my living host, he calls us. Believe so that my light can shine through you to penetrate the darkness consuming the world. Believe in the power of God working through his hidden force. These words given to us are filled with faith. They are showing us what he has been doing with us in the past and in the present. His presence with us now forming us, preparing us. This is our faith. The beauty and the power of what Jesus alive in our lives is doing with us. The third part is rooted in love. The Lord says, love and continue to suffer all as one with me in my sacrifice of love to enter prepared with God's armor, the fiercest battle that is at hand. He doesn't just tell us to love. The Lord has taught us how to love as he loves. By suffering everything in him, with him. Not self-centered in the pit of ourselves, but suffering focused on him. That is how we love. Then there's the last part of the message. Hope. The Lord says, do not be ashamed of my words. And share the treasure of heaven that has been entrusted to you, meaning the simple path to union with God. Complete my path, and as my heralds of hope, teach it from the housetops. This is your mission. Respond with great zeal and courage of heart as my warriors of love for these decisive times. Hope, to be heralds of hope, we first have to receive the words of the Lord. It's very significant. This is back in 2012. We put together the simple path to union with God. Now we're in 2022. And our next book, All the Words of the Lord, from 2006 through, 220, through 2022, are being published. And the Lord is saying, do not be ashamed of my words. Receive them. Live them. And through this faith, through believing in what I have said, you will and are my heralds of hope. 
Two years later, in 2014, the Lord mentions again, love crucified being his heralds of hope. He says, my flame of love is the Holy Spirit through my path. My flame of love has been possessing your minds, hearts, and faculties so that it is no longer you who live, but I who lives in you. In this way, I live in you as you live in me, and the Father lives in us. Do not be afraid to be sent out as my heralds of hope to usher in my era of peace. Do not be afraid to confront the forces of evil as my light, for it is the light of my holy remnant that will conquer the forces of darkness. Believe that you are the light of the world and hold the power of God. The Lord is like he told the apostles, I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise on the third day. The Lord is telling us, you're in the time of darkness, but this is not the end. The era of peace is coming to the world, but we don't see it yet. It's in the future. That's hope. Hope is that we can live in the time of darkness. We can live in this time of tribulation with our eyes on the future of the era of peace. That's hope. It reminds me of the teaching I gave you where I mentioned the car drivers and, and the rules of race car driving. That you cannot focus on the wall or on a crash because you too will crash. Your eyes have to be focused on the goal. It's the same thing with us. The last message that he calls us heralds of hope was in 2016, June 27th. The Lord said, the Lord of heaven and earth cries tears for daughter Zion. She, more precious than gold, has defiled herself, making herself unfit for the king of kings. I'm going to stop a minute here. This message was given in 2016. And today, as I pondered this message again, something moved me to do some research on Daughter of Zion. And I discovered in this message that is years old, something new. That's the beauty of what the Lord speaks to us. Zion, my family, meant Jerusalem. And later, Israel as the people of God. 
daughter of Zion then does not refer to a specific person. It's a metaphor for Israel and the loving, caring, patient relationship God has with his chosen people. God wanted to live amidst the Israelites, but he couldn't because of their sinfulness. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 722, it speaks about now, daughter Zion is who? Our Blessed Mother, Mary. The Catechism says, the Holy Spirit prepared Mary by his grace. It was fitting that the mother of him in whom the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily should herself be full of grace. She was by sheer grace conceived without sin as the most humble of creatures, the most capable of welcoming the inexpressible gift of the Almighty. It was quite correct for the angel Gabriel to greet her as the daughter of Zion. Rejoice. Now, it's interesting when we do research and we go back and read what the Lord is saying to love crucified and to the church through us. He's saying, let me read it again now. The Lord of heaven and earth Christ tears for daughter Zion. That's the church. Then he goes on to say she, meaning the church, more precious than gold, has defiled herself, making herself unfit for the king of kings. Mary is pure and holy. She is the daughter of Zion. But we as the adopted sons and daughters of God, sons and daughters of Mary, the mother of God, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, have become defiled, like the Israelite people, through sin. Therefore, God, the Lord goes on to tell us, therefore, God in his infinite mercy is coming as justice to purify all that has been defiled. Prepare my people for this purification by fire. Now, I I ask you to ponder this one sentence as we enter Divine Mercy Sunday. Look at the words again. Allow them to penetrate our hearts like Mary did. God in his infinite mercy is coming as justice. Mercy and justice are God. They're not two separate attributes of God. They're one. And he's doing it out of love, out of mercy. To purify the church, to purify the world that has been defiled. Therefore, this time of darkness is a blessing. And from this time of darkness will come a new creation. 
new men and women. The second part of this message, the Lord says, I asked the Lord, how do we do this? And he said, by living and becoming my path, you become my heralds of hope for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's not telling us to read the path. He's not telling us to study the path. He's telling us to live and become the path. As we become the path, we become the heralds of hope. He goes on to say, the path is my formation for the saints of these decisive times, preparing the path for my second coming. Do not be afraid to proclaim from the housetops the words I speak in the recesses of your heart. For those who have pure hearts will hear my voice and follow me, but the obstinate will perish. Now, my community, in the church, there are many beautiful flowers. I think of a meadow full of wild flowers, different colors. God has given the church so much beauty, so much grace. We have so many saints. We have so many writings of so many incredible saints. And sometimes we are tempted to want to pick so many flowers because they're so beautiful. <laughs> but we have a responsibility as a founding community. Many people have received our path. Many different, different religious orders have received our path. We have the Norbertine sisters, the cloistered sisters in California studying our path. We have the, the, the monks of St. Joseph. We have other monks in Medellin, the contemplatives of the Carmel. We have legionnaires, consecrated women. We have lay men and women outside our community that are very close to us. And they're trying to live the path. But there's a difference for the community of love crucified. God has entrusted the path for the church to us. Therefore, we have a responsibility to focus in this one flower. It doesn't mean we're not going to read ever any writings of others, but this has to be our primary focus. We have been given so much. When I look at this book that was just published, this is only one year of teachings. We have a path of 400 and something pages. We have teachings. I sent you all a teaching this week to listen to from 2021. I can't tell you when I listened to that teaching what it did to me. We are so limited. We forget. I forget. I'm the first one. I have a horrible memory. I focus on this because this is what's been given. This is our mission. 
if we are all over the place, we will not be able to transmit the mission God has given the little mustard seed of love crucified for the church. The words of the Lord have to be fire. The path has to be fire in our hearts so we can witness it so that we don't forget. So we have our call to focus primarily on what has been given to us. The last part of that teaching says this. It is your willingness to persevere in suffering with me that has the power to pierce these souls. I was asking the Lord about the obstinate souls. Don't we all have obstinate people in our lives that we love dearly? It is our suffering of their obstinacy with Christ that God is giving the power to pierce their hearts and souls. He says, remain steadfast in all that I have taught you. Hope, we learned, is what is in the future, what is not yet here. Years ago, the Lord used to speak about the darkness that is to come. Now the darkness has come. We're in the darkness. But what is the hope that is not yet here? At times, the Lord has called it the new dawn. At other times, he has called it the new springtime. Or the era of peace. Or I am making all things new. Or the new Pentecost. Or the Eucharistic reign. For example, in 2013, the Lord said, a new dawn is coming upon the earth. You, my holy remnant, if you remain faithful during the time of great darkness, will see the light of the new dawn rising from the east. Persevere. I don't have time to finish this teaching to go through the future of what the Lord has been speaking. So I will leave it at this so that you can read it yourself. But I will end by telling you this. This week in the Gospels, we read the Gospel of John from the Gospel of John. And twice, first two angels said to Mary Magdalene, woman, why are you weeping? And then Jesus again said to her, asked her the same question, woman, why are you weeping? Today in the gospel, the Lord appears to them. They're scared. They don't recognize him. And he asked them a question, very similar to what he asked Mary Magdalene. Why are you troubled? What was wrong with Mary Magdalene and the Lord's apostles? My community, they lacked hope. Why? 
because they forgot the words of the Lord that he would rise again. Mary Magdalene and Jesus' apostle loved him passionately. Yet their hope and their faith was not yet perfected. So Mary Magdalene is weeping. It's a very different suffering than our blessed mother. Our blessed mother was the only one that suffered intensely, but with faith and hope. Therefore, her suffering was in a calm dignity. Through the Holy Spirit, Mary Magdalene and all the apostles become saints. They attain the ultimate goal. This is what's going to happen with us. But the Lord wants us and he is granting each of us the grace through what he has given us and through the life he has shown us to be able to, like our blessed mother, live times of tribulation in faith, hope, and love. And that is what will root us in a calm dignity amidst great suffering. This is the gift I want to ask for on this Divine Mercy Sunday. I actually started a week ago praying for joy because I said somehow joy is lacking in my heart. And it's so beautiful because the Lord always surprises me. And I said, okay, my Lord, Divine Mercy Sunday, I know you're outpouring your mercy. Please give me joy. So what does the Lord give me? Lord is, he's teaching me to get joy, to live in joy. You have to have greater faith and hope, Lord is. So to help me grow in greater faith and hope, he gives me a teaching <laughs> on hope for all of you. But first and foremost, for myself. So I'm united with all of you this octave of Easter and on this Easter Sunday.